0: Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today, we're going to be interviewing Tracy Pate. How are you doing, Tracy?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Thank just you. Got off, just got off of work, you said, right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So that's always a good feeling.
1: Yeah, it was a long day, but I'm grateful to have a job.
0: That's, that's all there is to it. What do you do for a living?
1: I'm currently a customer service representative and I work for unemployment.
0: Okay. That's right. You guys told me that. So yeah. let's dive in a little bit to your story. Tell us uh, grow, about growing up, and how your childhood was.
1: Okay. So growing up, there's, there's pretty much two versions I've learned because there's the version that I had growing up and then what I seen it for as an adult looking back, but growing up, I was surrounded by family, had tons of people around constantly, but the catch was that I was around tons of people who were constantly drinking. Um, There were a couple who didn't, but pretty much everybody around me was an alcoholic to some degree, and I grew up swearing that I would not be like them. I was not going to be an alcoholic, Um, and there was, let's see, so there was incidences of child abuse, um, emotional, physical. I dealt with all that. That's kind of old for me. Um, what,
0: what kind of emotional and physical abuse?
1: Well, I was raised with a step parent who was not, uh, he wasn't the greatest guy because he was an alcoholic. So he took out a lot of his frustrations on me. And uh, so the physical abuse was there. I mean, I would catch it because I couldn't. I wouldn't just stand there and take him yelling at me or take him yelling at my sister. So I stood up to him and I would get it.
0: So you would stand up for everyone and then you'd be the one to take the brunt of his anger.
1: Yeah. That's okay. We made it through that. And then um, I can't remember, cannot to this day, remember a time in my life as a child where there was not drugs and alcohol ever. I remember being a little kid, like five-ish, six-ish, and passing out next to a keg with the tapper in my mouth at a get together just like a picnic barbecue
0: you were five or six years old and drinking Mm
1: -hmm. wow I remember I was about 11 the first time I was introduced to cocaine um oh I should back up my family members who took care of me while uh my mother was working and going to college were very young they were barely teenagers And it was the 70s, and they were partying, smoking, pot, drinking. And that was, I don't remember a time as a child that I wasn't around pot and alcohol. So that was a constant part of my life. It wasn't ever out of the ordinary. I felt very uncomfortable being places where those things were not going on. Then 11, I got introduced to cocaine.
0: Um, who introduced
1: you to it Uh, I was babysitting for this family and they called said they would be home in about an hour and a half was there any way I could make them some brownies and I did and I was rummaging through the cupboard for powdered sugar and what I found was not powdered sugar but I put it on top of the brownies because I thought it was And they were really upset when they came home.
0: (laughs) I can imagine.
1: (laughs) Um, That was my first experience with cocaine. Uh, That was the first time I'd ever seen it, heard of it. And a year later, I was offered cocaine for the first time, not by those people, by other people that I was babysitting for. And it was mostly because I walked in on all of this party and they were all doing whatever they were doing. So they invited me so that I would keep my mouth shut. And I did for a really long time.
0: Wow. How was uh, life at school?
1: Um, I was a straight A student in gifted program. I was in advanced classes and, Well, I was in a gifted and talented education in elementary school, and then in middle school things got sketchy, started fighting, got kicked out of school. I was kicked out of school more than I was attending school, but I stayed on the honor roll. Um, My grades were always superb. I lacked in score points for attendance, but Lots of fights, uh, lots of problems at home because of the problems at school. And then in the summer between junior high and high school, between ninth and 10th grade is when I got pregnant for the first time. So I was 15. I managed to stop using while I was pregnant. As soon as I found out, I got pregnant in Uh, June and found out in August so that's when I quit so those first crucial months I used my child is fine Um, she was born healthy and happy thank God but it didn't take long after she was born and I was right back out Uh, it just took one friend asking me if I wanted to smoke and we were off and running
0: did the baby, were you with the baby's father? Cause I was just saying it must've been scary at being so young and pregnant.
1: And I still lived at home with my parents. Not that they were great people, but they were amazing to my child. They were amazing to my little sister. They just were not amazing to me, but it was terrifying. And my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, had a rare heart defect that they found when she was six months old and she was the third baby in the world to be diagnosed with it at the time. And a year later, she was the only one that had lived past age of one at the time. So that's when I was 16 and I got pregnant when I was 17. A second um,
0: pregnancy.
1: Yep, uh, because I was just out partying and being very stupid and addicted. I was, I was addicted by then. There was not a day that went by that I did not smoke pot, use cocaine, and then I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter. When I was 17, days before my 18th birthday, uh, is when I told people. And she was born in March, and my birthday's in January. So nobody had time to prepare up until that point. I'd been planning on uh, putting her up for adoption. Um, And again, as soon as I had her, I don't even think I made it a week and I was back to using. Um, that led me to being 18 and my mom put me out of the house while I was at school. She put me out of the house and my apartment became the spot to be if you were doing nothing with your life.
0: How did you afford an apartment so young?
1: Um, well, at the time I was getting some money from state aid but I was working part-time. So that took care of the rest of the bills. Um, I lived in a small, small town. Well, it's not a small town, but it felt like a really small town. It's a lot bigger now. But... Um, so that was about a year of heavy... Partying uh, everybody was at my apartment. We were all drinking, smoking, snorting. we were using cocaine, we used acid, um, and it wasn't like just on weekends. it was every day this every day. It was so nonstop um, eventually. Work didn't remain a priority. Partying did, and I quit my job or got fired. I don't remember. Uh, Probably got fired would be safe, but to guess. And then um, the sheriff's department came and evicted me from my apartment. And I went to live with somebody who said that they needed help caring for an elderly mother-in-law and that's kind of the that was the beginning of my end and it still took me another 10 years to spiral all the way down
0: so tell us a little bit about when you well I guess my question would be when was the first time you recognized that this was a problem
1: That the drugs were the problem?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Probably the very first time I went with my brother to a meeting, but that was just weeks before I got clean. I didn't ever, ever think for a minute. It didn't even cross my mind that the drugs were a problem. It was everything else. It was the way I was brought up it was the stuff that I dealt with it was people were mean to me I was to this to that not enough of this not enough of that Um, it very much was never a me problem I didn't ever see that until until I got clean but I had spent my entire life using or under the influence in some fashion, so I didn't even have a clue how to how to make that thought make sense. You know, I would have random friends here and there throughout those next 10 years tell me that I might need to back off or slow down, but I didn't think that the drugs were the problem. I didn't think they were the reason that I was failing at everything, losing everything over and over again. I really put myself through. It. Um, I moved nine hours away from everybody and everything I knew because that was the solution. I it was it was where I was, it was all those people. And I'll be darned if I didn't wake up with all the same problems. Still didn't look at me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Still, Still didn't learn.
1: Well, no, it could not have been me. I know. Um, I basically sold my soul to the devil at that point. Um, Drugs definitely took me to places that I swore I'd never go to places. I never even dreamed of saying that I wouldn't go to. Um, I did things in my addiction that are no different than the things that anybody else did. I am not special. Um, I did the dumb stuff. I did all the bad stuff. Uh, but I don't regret not not a minute of it I don't um, the lessons I have learned since I got clean and sober far outweigh any regret or any hardship I had because of my music.
0: So another thing, what about personal relationships throughout your active addiction? How did, did they suffer?
1: Yeah. Um, growing up uh, through my addictions, there was a whole mess of us that had either kind of been born into friendships or we all met in kindergarten and we all graduated together so there was this whole group of us that had been together for all that time and there are some of us who are still in contact but most of those people had fallen away from me because of my crazy erratic irresponsible ridiculous we could go on and on uh but my behaviors and my choices did push them away um uh, my whole family, my whole birth family, with the exception of one person, uh, has cut, they cut me off. They didn't want anything else to do with me. They were done. Um, I couldn't keep any long-term friends outside of the ones I was born and raised with. Uh, I said I didn't trust people. I wouldn't let people get close to me. The bottom line ended up being I didn't want anybody close to me because I did not like me. I was ashamed. I was terribly ashamed when it came down to it. Not that I knew that either. Until later. I just was stuck on the pity train. I had my two daughters, my two oldest daughters, my mother took. Because I was in no position or condition to raise children and take care of them properly. And that ended up being one more reason to use. And I did that consistently for till I was 29.
0: So tell us a little bit about your recovery. I, I guess my question would be also, what was like your absolute rock bottom? Like you knew, okay, the next step is rehab or some type of sobriety.
1: Um, my adopted brother was involved. He had gotten in trouble. And one of his conditions of his parole was that he had to attend 12-step meetings. And our adopted mother asked me, while I was as high as I possibly could have been, if I would please just make him comfortable and go to these meetings with him. It wasn't a big deal. So I went to these meetings and they were CA meetings. I left the first one sweating. I thought I was going to die. Because they talked about drugs for an entire hour while I couldn't do drugs. And so I didn't understand how they were all clean. Fast forward, my brother gets a little bit farther into this and he's not using. And he showed up at our job. And he walked in the back door and he was holding a beer in one hand. I'll never forget it. That's the day my whole life changed. He walked in the door. He was wearing a bright yellow jogging suit blue stripes down the pant side of the pant legs and down the arms and he had blood down the front of his jacket and shirt and it had dripped onto his pants had blood on his face and he said look I made 30 days figured it was time to celebrate and I looked at his mom our adopted mom and watched her heartbreak like literally I could just see her heartbreak in her eyes and I knew that I never wanted to do that to somebody else.
0: Why was he bleeding?
1: Um, he his nose was bleeding because he'd done too many drugs. He had he just had a horrendous nosebleed from cocaine. Um, and so I tossed it around, and that was in December. And I tried really hard to stay clean. Got clean. Didn't use <laughs> January. 3rd um i went back out i got high january 4th i went to a meeting again with my brother because he had gone back to meetings and there was a guy there it was birthday night and he stood up and he told his story and i knew that treatment was the only thing that was going to save my life
0: uh what part I, of the story did you relate to? Do you remember?
1: <clears throat> he he well, one thing that he always did was he would start off with having an empty chair next to him while he stood and told his story. And he said that the chair, the empty chair represented the addicts that were still out suffering, who hadn't yet made it in the doors. He was always saving them a seat. And I remember saying, thinking. Somebody was thinking of me. Um, and I talked to that man after that meeting. And I stayed at home, went through withdrawals, did the whole thing, called treatments. And by the time I called treatment centers, the first two I talked to told me that I had too much clean time to be inpatient. and. So the third one, I got an appointment face to face with them. And I was in there talking to them. And she said, well, unfortunately, you don't take priority because you've got too much clean time. And I informed her that. There was two blocks down the street, there was an elementary school and four blocks down the street was a guy that I knew that would sell me drugs and that I could leave and drive four blocks to go get the drugs and make sure that I would not pass their drug tests when I got back. But there was a school between there, point A and point B and I didn't feel like they really wanted me to leave and come back high driving past the children and they gave me a bit. So that was January 5th, 2000, well, January 5th, 2002 is my sobriety date. And that would have been January, probably 17th that I went to treatment. Um, I stayed in treatment for 35 days instead of, it was a 28 day program. I stayed 35 days because I was scared to leave. Um, And then I went to a 90-day halfway house for sober women. And the treatment center I went to was for women and children. And then the sobriety house that I went to was for women and children. And I did meetings, 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 meetings. I had a sponsor from Jump. I have had the same sponsor for 20 years.
0: long relationship
1: yes it is <laughs> <laughs> my longest except for with my children
0: <laughs> so what was it like your first days in rehab
1: um I called my now remember I begged to get in here and day one day two and all the way up till probably day seven Every night I called my partner and asked if they would come get me because I didn't like it there. And they said that I could leave anytime I wanted, but I didn't have a right. (laughs) So I stayed. Uh, It was so hard. Uh, I hadn't dealt with any kind of real, true, genuine, raw emotion in probably a good decade. And treatment absolutely fixed that. Um, brought me around to a brand new way of looking at all of the things that I had seen in my life. And suddenly my list of who to blame for all of the issues got shorter and shorter until there was just me on it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, maybe it was me. And recovery has taught me that today, anytime I feel like anything is not okay with a person or with a situation, I need to look at me and figure out if it's me, if I have a problem with something to do with me instead of the situation. Because most of the time we just project stuff.
0: So what lessons have you learned in recovery? Is there any kind of uh, stuff you'd like to pass on? Anything that, you know, you, like I said, that you learned while in possibly rehab or any part of your recovery?
1: The most important thing I think that I gain as a lesson, is, as a life lesson, there, oh, there's so many. Number one, we cannot, as addicts, we cannot, do this recovery stuff alone. It takes having a whole community. We have to have that. If we could do it on our own, there would be no need for any other groups like this. We have to have each other. The other thing for all the women out there who are listening and whether you're struggling or you're not quite in the door yet, no matter where you're at, Just remember that once you get to recovery, however you get to it, other women in recovery are your allies. We are not enemies. We are no longer fighting and competing for all of those things that don't even matter. But women are our allies. And for the guys out there, this is the place you can be raw. You can be real. It is okay for you to have those emotions it's a safe place get it out and deal with it we can get through all of this um acceptance acceptance is the number one thing you have to accept every situation for exactly exactly what it is not the way you wanted it to be not the way you wish it would wish it would be but exactly the way it is.
0: That's great. I appreciate that. So is there anything else you want to add in here?
1: Um, you know, if you just keep trying, I know everybody hears one day at a time and I'll tell you what, 20 years ago, I couldn't tell you that I could stay sober for a day. But I could do it for five minutes. And then I could do it for 10. And it took me a while to get up to 24 hours, but I did it. So you can. It doesn't matter what you did, it just matters what you're going to do next. That's it.
0: That's it. All right. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. No, I'm really happy. And if you folks enjoyed this episode, click below and subscribe. Also give us a like. Um, Check us out also on Facebook. If you go to our group page, you'll be able to see under the events tab that we do daily meetings on Zoom. Also go to our Facebook page and give us a like. Check us out on Spotify, Reddit, Patreon, which is free. Also, Instagram and Twitter. So check this out. We're on all types of social media. I appreciate everyone that's listening and until next time.